0: Listening to the All Things Good podcast. Hello, and welcome to the HEG podcast. Today, I'm joined by Emily Swallow. Emily is an actress known for her work in Supernatural, The Mentalist, and the new hit TV show, The Mandalorian. Emily, how are you doing? Hi, I'm very good. Glad to be here. Yeah, thank you for coming on the show. So, The *The Mandalorian, it's turned out to be quite a hit in its first season. What's,
1: yeah, people seem to like it a little
0: bit. Yeah, I, I, I love it. I, I got done watching the first season a couple weeks ago. It's, it's definitely... It's definitely a great show. What's the experience been like working with the show? Oh
1: wow! Um, well, it's it's unlike anything I've ever been a part of. It's, and it's just so much fun at this point. Um, you know, when I was first shooting it, I because it, it, so much of it was kept under wraps. I had um, I didn't have a lot of sense of like. Like I didn't know a lot about the episodes that I wasn't in. I didn't know who else was going to be in it, mm-hmm. so I just kind of knew about like my little corner of the universe and the armor and, and her mm-hmm. interactions with the Mandalorian, which was so much fun to dig into and to try to understand like who she was and the um, in this Mandalorian clan, and then kind of like what she represents in the the world of the Mandalorians. And then I actually shot all of my stuff before the show was ever even announced, and
0: I'm really glad for that,
1: because, you know, I just got to, like, do my work, and Mm -hmm. and do, like, what I normally do in a process, and not have to worry about any pressure at all, and then once it was announced, it was just so exciting to see, like, how people were, you know, people speculating about what it was going to be, and this, that, and the other, and since it got released i'm just so thrilled that it's been received so positively and it's been an absolute blast to hear people's impressions of it and to see online you know how people are reacting and to mm-hmm. get to talk to fans and see all the fan art it's really just such a great ride to be on
0: yeah it's it's definitely taken social media by storm it seems yeah <laughs> Tell us, uh, so tell us a little bit more about your your role as the armor and how uh, that kind of came about. working with the show.
1: Yeah. Well, when I got the audition, um, like I said, I knew very little about what it actually was, but it I did know that this character was kind of the leader of a group of people that was in hiding and a little bit of like a spiritual guide. Um, and my audition scene was very similar to. That scene in the third episode
0: where um, where uh, Din Djarin comes in, that massive load of Beskar, and oh yeah, <laughs> and wants to have the full armor made, and she's like,
1: okay, but you know, just to warn you, people are probably gonna look. And then there's that scuffle that breaks out among the Mandalorians, and she quickly puts a lid on that and reminds them of their creed and reminds them what they stand for, reminds them that like even if they are suspicious of this guy that they don't know and why he's coming in with all this money. Like he's one of them and he's living up to the expectations that all of them live up to. Mm
0: -hmm. So, um, so I had that much
1: to grab onto and I did know that I was going to be, um, in a mask. Um, and really the first, the first hint, I guess I got of like the world that we were going to be in beyond that was when I, I had to have costume fittings really early on because it took such a long time for them to build that incredible suit of armor. Yeah. So like seeing that come together definitely gave me a feel for who she was going to be. And then like, right before I started shooting, I had some discussions with John and with Dave Filoni. Um, and John said that uh, something that would be really useful to, to reference would be Kurosawa films like Seven Samurai and that um kind of that economy of movement and that regalness and that authority um, that comes across without a lot of effort. So that was also, like, having those images was, was useful to think about. And then, I mean, once we started shooting, it was really just kind of finding, like, how we were all working together to figure out how to communicate with these characters who are completely, you know, their faces are completely obscured. And mm-hmm. so every little movement becomes more important and you have to make sure you're not distracting with your movement. And for the armorer, it was definitely helpful to think of her as moving very little and just being very efficient.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Um, you know, I think she doesn't speak unless she needs to. She doesn't move unless she needs to. And when she says something, it's pretty important. And I really appreciated that simplicity and I liked playing in that world.
0: Mhm. Yeah, you, you talked about getting into uh, costume a little bit. What what's it what's it like behind the scenes of, you know, a, a show that's so complex to make? Um
1: it's endlessly curiosity.
0: It's
1: <laughs> you know, I always wondered, like, we were working the days that I was shooting, we were working on two different sound stages and and uh I would always like peek into the one that had the the one next to us had the the big green screen with the his ship and that's where they were shooting a lot of that stuff
0: yeah. and
1: sometimes I knew what was going on because it was in a script that I'd been reading and sometimes I didn't because I didn't get to read all of the scripts for the episodes I wasn't in um so it was just it was fun to to wonder like what worlds were being created and then you know once I got to watch it it was kind of cool to be like oh yeah that was the day that I was walking through and I saw them doing that mm-hmm. and uh For me, like being, the experience of being in that suit was definitely less awe-inspiring than what it wound up looking like because it's, um, you know, my armory was this dimly lit cave and I'm wearing this helmet with no peripheral vision and the visor is tinted (laughs) so I couldn't see much. So moving around, uh, I was glad that I had a pretty small space to work in because. And especially when we had, like, more than one of us in Mandalorian armor in the same room. Like, we
0: would
1: run into each other. We would trip on things. It's not easy being a Mandalorian,
0: it turns out. So we we talked a little bit about uh, social media. Um, So we definitely got to get into Baby Yoda. What what was the, uh, did the show expect, you know, Baby Yoda to be as popular as it became? Or how did that kind of unravel? To be the
1: phenomenon that it is, I mean, I saw I saw the the puppet on set, and I thought it was ridiculously cute. But I have to admit, I didn't know he was going to be as superstar, as, uh, world famous as he is. Yeah.
0: Um,
1: but I guess they must have had some suspicion because they, from what I understand, the reason that they didn't do any merchandising. Um, in Time for Christmas is because they wanted to keep it such a secret and if they'd had like prototypes out to make dolls and stuff then it might have gotten leaked. Mm -hmm. So I have a feeling John had some idea and I mean in hindsight it totally makes sense that it's such a huge phenomenon because we've never seen another creature of Yoda's species. We don't know where he came from. We don't know if there's others like him. Mm -hmm. And so just referencing him in and of itself I think gets people excited. And then when you have Basically just like the cutest little baby version of him that could possibly exist. Like, of course people are gonna go crazy. Yeah.
0: <laughs> so what can we expect in uh season two of The Mandalorian? Have you got are you guys filming that right now or?
1: Um, that has started production, yeah, and I, I mean there's absolutely nothing that I can say other than that yeah. I I think it's gonna be really good. Mhm.
0: Yeah, because we, we got left off of uh, season one, it seemed like Baby Yoda is going to learn more about his powers a little bit, but yeah, you can't get well, yeah, it. Yeah, I mean, he,
1: he was specifically told by the Armorer to go find um, where this little guy comes from and to try to reconnect him with his people. But um, I also love that we still don't know exactly why Moss Gideon wanted to get his hands on him so I I love that the season left off with still so many unanswered questions mm-hmm. and I think it's gonna be really awesome to get to explore some
0: of that right yeah it's, it's definitely a, a curveball you don't know where it could where it could head so that makes it uh, very intriguing yeah is is there a not a release date obviously yet but are you guys is there a kind of a set time you're aiming for with season two or it's not really decided yet <laughs>
1: I think John said the fall of this year.
0: All right. Awesome. We're looking forward to it. Uh, you're also in a couple other uh, films, such as Supernatural um, and SEAL Team. Can you tell us a little bit more about your role in SEAL Team?
1: Yeah. I've been, so they're in the third season now, and I came in at the beginning of the season. Um, As a physiologist, it's been brought in by the Navy to work with the SEALs and to basically, like in the simplest way, to try and increase their career longevity because, you know, you've got these guys who are continually thrown into like the highest stress situations possible over and over and over again. So trying to look at what kind of toll that takes on their body and their minds and to help them adopt strategies to keep going as long as they want to go. Um, but in the course of that, I get personally involved with uh, David's character, Jason, who's Bravo One. Um, and, of course, that makes things a lot more complicated. But um, when we, I'm trying to remember, like, what happened at the end of the, the, like, mid-season finale. But I think our romantic relationship has kind of just started. And he's somebody who has definitely had to... He's dealt with so much loss, and he's dealt with so many struggles in trying to have any sort of balance in his personal life because he gives everything to Bravo One. So Natalie's sort of trying to help him push himself to to give more to his personal life and to really question like what it is that he wants mm-hmm. instead of constantly feeling like his only purpose is to go fight the next threat. Um, and that winds up being a really big challenge for him and, and a challenge for them I mean it's, it's definitely not a smooth course in the in their romance but I think that that makes it a lot more a lot more interesting
0: mm-hmm. yeah is there a, so are you guys working uh, on an upcoming project will there be a next release date um, can you tell us you mean for SEAL Team? yeah for SEAL Team Sorry.
1: yeah I, I will continue to recur throughout rest of the season. I'm not sure um, when the show starts up again with new episodes. I think it might not be till February, but I will continue to be a part of the season. So there's still a lot more that
0: has yet to unfold with that relationship. Mm-hmm. Definitely. And then, so Supernatural, you're uh, a fan favorite character, Amara, uh, also, known yeah. as, also known as The Darkness. Uh, Supernatural is a pretty successful show they've been doing you know quite a bit of seasons uh what's the experience been like being on that
1: it, well i first went into it and in it's 11th season and it's now they're finishing up this year with season 15 um and it has uh, it's just been so much fun to be part of that show um I love getting to create that character, and I was kind of the villain for the season. And it's always fun to be the villain, but <laughs> I think we love villains because we also see like how they're kind of wounded and misunderstood. And and the writers definitely gave that to me in, in writing her. So she was she was just so much fun. Um, and now she's come back in season 15, and it's it's been a blast to get to be a part of this last season because it is. It's such an incredible group of people who all work so hard and who have such appreciation for getting to do the show as long as they have.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Um, and there's just so much playfulness and such a great camaraderie on the set. So it's been really awesome to get to go back to that. And uh, and like you said, it's uh, the, the fans of the show are just so passionate about it and so devoted to it. And that's been that for me was was totally new i i sort of experienced um a passionate fan base with the mentalist but didn't have nearly as much interaction as i've had with supernatural because of the fan conventions and stuff Mm -hmm. um and it's been so great to get to know the fans and to find out what it is you know over these 15 seasons of this show like what it is that that people connect with and what it is that they want for these characters and how they want the show to end and, um, what they hope still happens at some point. Mm-hmm. It's great to have that interaction with the audience. Cause you don't, you don't often get that in television.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: And, uh, and I like hearing, I like hearing from people about what they, how they feel about the stuff that we're making.
0: Yeah. It's, it's definitely something to be said about a, a show that can, that can go, you know, 14, 15 seasons, <laughs> Definitely yeah. definitely a, a passionate fan base I would imagine. Uh what you know, what's it what's it like as an actress, you know, going back and forth between, you know, different roles, uh movies or T V shows?
1: I love it. I love getting to do different things all the time. I'm kind of restless by nature. I like to be on the move, so it's it's great to to get to hop around and inhabit different worlds and um It's been so fun with Supernatural because it's the first time that I've come back to a character a few seasons later. I haven't ever gotten that kind of opportunity. So revisiting her and seeing how she's changed, um, you know, largely based on how I've changed, like that can't help but inform it, uh, that plays a large part in it, um, has been really, really rewarding. And, I mean, particularly... (laughs) right now such an interesting time for me because i i have um the armorer who is you know one very specific type of character and then i have amara that i'm working on and i have natalie on seal team that i'm working on and to get to play in such different worlds um with such different characters but to also kind of find the through line between those characters i think that all three Mm -hmm. of these women are strong and can hold their own and um have a steadiness that uh that i could stand to use more of in my own life so i try to borrow from them i tend to learn really good things from my characters.
0: (laughs) (laughs) that's funny so uh i like to ask a couple uh questions before we end a podcast what i usually ask everyone uh if you had some advice to someone trying to overcome failure what would it be
1: Yeah. I think um, well, I think it, it depends on how you frame it. I feel like, I mean, for example, as an actor, uh, we audition a lot, which means just by nature of the profession, we get rejected a lot. Yeah. But if I look at every audition that doesn't pan out in a job, if I look at it as a failure, I'm sunk. Um, and I have had periods where I did that, you know, when I was first starting out, I just felt so defeated every time I would audition and not get something. But then I realized, Oh wait, this is going to happen a lot. (laughs) Yeah. I got to find a way to reframe it. And I think, um, having a sense of curiosity about, you know, how many times have you looked back and seen how something that seems negative actually turned into a really positive experience or or, like, you know, cleared the way for something better to happen. You know, there's been jobs that I haven't gotten. And um, because I haven't gotten that job and I wasn't booked for that period of time, there was something else that came along yeah. that was even better. So I think kind of trying to have curiosity about it and not label it as a failure is, is key. Because then you're just not stuck in that place of defeat. And, uh, and I think you can kind of see more ways to work with whatever it is that's going
0: on. Right, it's like they say, you know, uh, when one door closes, another one opens. (laughs) Yeah. Um, So another question is, what, in your words, do you think defines success?
1: I think it's different for everybody, but uh, for me... um... Wow, this is a good question. (laughs) (laughs) Um, from both my parents, but especially from my dad, who just was so um, so faithful to his work because he wanted to provide for his family because he he felt like he had a duty to, to work hard. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think that having pride in the work that you do, regardless of you know whether it, it turns into something that other people think is absolutely smashing, is a better um, gauge of success because I there's so many things that I've done in my career that I've been really proud of and I know I've done great work but you know it's been a little play in a black box theater that hardly anyone's gotten to see or or a TV show that like, they've been parts of, of pilots and TV shows that I know were really good but they you know they got released at a time when there were too many other shows that were right. similar or. You know just wasn't the right timing for him so I think it I, I definitely try to look at it more on like when I set out to start a project like what is that I want to put into it and how I want to feel while I'm working on it and then I can let go of uh of what the outcome is a little bit more easily
0: mm-hmm. no yeah definitely I I think you know success is just really what you want for yourself so so just yeah. just a uh, recap for the people listening. This has a, been a podcast with actress Emily Swallow. Uh, be sure to catch her on The Mandalorian, Supernatural, uh, SEAL Team, or of s- some of her other projects she's been working on. Uh, Emily, thank you for joining us today.
1: Thanks for me. It was lovely to talk to you.
0: Yeah. Thank you.